welcome to Sunshine Studios, home of the Steve Piasecki Podcast. Dead Stripper is the first book in the Steve Piasecki series. But a word of caution before you continue. Dead Stripper contains explicit content, such as strong language and the depiction of graphic sex and violence, including murder. Therefore, this podcast might not be suitable for all audiences. Forewarned is forearmed. And now, into Chapter 16 of Dead Stripper. We go to the next morning when my friend drops Steve off at 30th Street Station. Then Steve goes to the Big Apple to try to stick his foot in the door of the publishing industry. And he knocks on a door, unannounced. Scene 53. Early the next morning, at 43rd and Chestnut, in the University City section of Philadelphia. Make a left on 42nd, I tell my friend. We're riding in his white Kia Sorento. It's still dark and there's not much traffic. Why not go straight? Chestnut gets fucked up at Schuylkill Avenue. Traffic backs up and you gotta sit there and wait for three traffic lights. Trust me, make a left and then a right on Market. He makes the left on the 42nd Street and a right on the Market Street two blocks later. And now we're 12 blocks from 30th Street train station. Now go all the way to Schuylkill and make a left. Why? I love the front of the station. Construction began on 30th Street Station right after the Great Depression, and it produced a masterpiece of architectural design. The buildings are touch over 100 feet tall and neoclassical in style, with some Art Deco touches thrown in. And putting it over the top are the massive Corinthian columns surrounding the building. Each one is 71 feet tall and made from Alabama limestone. Hollywood filmed a couple movies there. Witness with Harrison Ford and Blowout with John Travolta are two that quickly come to mind. Why are you going so early? My friend asked. I got a reserved seat for $61. The next train's in Excel and cost $135. So being an early bird just saved me $74. My friend makes a left on the Schuylkill Avenue and we arrive at the front of the station. Do you want me to pull in front or go around back? Front and thanks for driving. Do you want me to pick you up? No clue when I'll be back. We'll see, but I'll, I'll call for an Uber if it's late. He parks in between the third and fourth columns. I'm out the door, dressed in black from head to toe, except for a pair of white New Balance sneakers and carrying my laptop. Scene 54. An hour later, we're crossing the Delaware River on the landmark bridge. Trenton makes, the world takes. Amtrak's Northeast Regional 190 is speeding northbound. It's four cars long. We're leaving Pennsylvania behind and entering New Jersey on the other side of the bridge. I'm sitting in a window seat on the left side of the car. I got plenty of leg room and a fold down tray to accommodate my laptop. I'm plugged into an outlet to keep the battery charged, plus I'm getting free Wi-Fi. A middle-aged man sits to my right. He's dressed in a suit and tie and working on an iPad. I plan to drop in cold on the editor-in-chief of Excalibur magazine. Her name's Rose Goldenberg. That's today's business agenda in New York. I did some research and found a men's magazine, Excalibur, that accepts unsolicited mystery stories from unpublished writers. It's a kind of magazine with nude centerfolds. I'm hoping I can convince her to look at my story. And we're a little less than an hour from New York City which gives me enough time to give my story one more read. Scene 55. An hour later, 
at Penn Station in Manhattan. I step off the train and find myself surrounded by a sea of commuters. This is the busiest train station in the Western Hemisphere, and it's entirely underground, under historic Madison Square Garden. Scene 56. It's not much better when I get out on the street. In fact, it looks even more congested. More people, plus dozens of cars, taxi cabs, and buses. It's not 7 o'clock yet. I have a little better than two hours to kill. So, I start looking for a coffee shop. I see a Starbucks across the street on the corner to the right. No thanks. I went to Starbucks once in my life, and once was enough. I walk two blocks and spot a hole-in-the-wall coffee shop. It's called Wally's. I see three people standing at a counter picking up takeout orders. There are four small tables and chairs inside, and no one's sitting at any of the tables. Scene 57. I enter Wally's and step to the end of the line. It takes two minutes to reach the front of the line. Can I help you? The man behind the counter asks. I'll take a coffee, please. For here or to go? Here. You're from Philly, ain't you? Right outside the city, how'd you know? I'm good with accents. He turns and gets a cup and a mug, then holds him up so I can see. Which one? The mug. He fills the mug, returns a few seconds later, and sets it on the counter. Cream and sugar's right there, help yourself. Is it all right if I linger a little? Take all the time you want, buddy. Rent's paid, and nobody will want a table till around 10 o'clock. Are those blueberry donuts back there? Old-fashioned blueberry cake donuts. I'll take one. He turns, gets a plate, and soon returns with two donuts. Second one's on me. Scene 58, two hours later. I'm walking south on 6th Avenue, less than a block from Wally's. I bought a daily news to pass the time and drank a second mug of coffee before I left. I never looked at the prices on the menu, gave Wally a 10 when I left, and told him to keep the change. He told me, don't be a stranger. Scene 59. One block later, I enter a building. The magazine's website says the office is on the 12th floor. My plan is to get there as soon as the door is open at 9 o'clock. A uniformed doorman standing at a podium in the middle of the lobby. He's talking to a woman, and there's a man standing behind her, also waiting to talk to the doorman. I walk past them and go straight toward the elevators. Can I help you, sir? The doorman calls out. I have a meeting. I keep walking. Please wait your turn, sir. I keep going straight toward a bank of elevators. I'm in a hurry and a touch late. She knows I'm coming. Been here before. Please wait your turn, sir. Thank God a bell rings as soon as I press the button, and the elevator door opens right up. Scene 60. I step onto the elevator quickly and ride it to the 12th floor. Scene 61. The bell rings and the elevator door opens. I get off on the 12th floor and start walking down the hall, looking at the numbers on all the doors. Ah, here it is. I check the time. One minute after nine. I double check the number on the door, then try the handle, but it doesn't turn. I knock, then wait for a response. But none comes, so I knock again, louder this time. A few more seconds pass before the door finally opens, and that's when I see a woman standing there in a bathrobe and slippers, probably around 40. Her hair's disheveled and it looks like she just crawled out of bed. Who the fuck are you? Not exactly the greeting I was hoping for. She starts looking me up and down with suspicious eyes. I'm Steve Piasecki. 
I emailed you the other day about a story I'm working on. I don't remember. I'm not making it up. Neither am I. This is my apartment where I live. You can't just come in here and knock on my door. Sorry. See address on your website, so I assumed it was your office. My mistake. Didn't mean to bother you. I turned away. Hold on. Yeah? I turned back to face her. She glances at my laptop. We don't open for business until 10 o'clock. You're here and I'm here. So you got what you want. She steps back. Come in. And that's the end of chapter 16. Join us next time for chapter 17 when we go to the county morgue for an autopsy on the dead strip with Dr. Nakamura doing the honors. And he makes a startling discovery. See you next time.